If you've bought property, you likely funded your purchase partly through a mortgage. If the property increases in value over time by more than the cost of the borrowing, you're better off. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast by the Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of the Rask Group. I'm Pete Wardgen, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. Pete Wardgen, welcome to this Australian Property Podcast episode, mate. Oh, in Russ, good to see you. I've got to see you've got the festive gear on. Good to see. Uh, I've only got a very small amount compared to yourself. For anyone that's watching on video, you can see uh, mm-hmm. Pete has his uh, Santa hat and a Santa top where I've just got the hat. Um, how you going, mate? Yeah, pretty good. I, uh, I've, I was actually bought this by my kids, so I've got to try and get as much use as I can mm. over the uh, festive season. Um, but yeah, no, pretty good. All, all good here. We're just, uh, just starting to... Well, the time of recording, we're just winding down for Christmas. It'll probably be after Christmas by the time you hear this. But um, mm. yeah, it's all been all been pretty good. Been a very busy uh, second half of the year, 2023, and uh, been very busy on the podcast as well, which has been great. Yeah, I know you were just saying off air that your buyer's agency stuff is um, really, really busy. Um, flat out. Mm. Flat out, yeah. Uh, and obviously you're doing the coaching as well, which um, is ramping up as well. So I can imagine how busy you are. And I think that I could be wrong. I'm not a tax agent. Maybe maybe you are. And you can say, if you wear a Santa hat on a podcast that maybe you get paid for, not saying that you do, but like, you know, you get clients and stuff from this. Does it become tax deductible? Well, wasn't there this thing, like if you wear something specifically, uh, clothing or accessories specifically for work. So if you wear sunglasses and you're a policeman, you know, maybe that becomes deductible. Mm. I think... I think uh, Father Christmas hats or uh, Santa hats might be stretching the uh, <laughs> stretching the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very on the side of caution with that one. I think. 
<laughs> yeah, don't uh, don't take your your, Chris, your Christmas gear as uh, tax deductible yeah, based on what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this episode, we're talking about a bit of a review of 2023. So we started the Australian Property Podcast on the 28th of March, 2023. Uh, already, the podcast has been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times, which is just incredible. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed and everyone who uh, leaves us feedback or asks questions. Um, it's been heaps of fun. Uh, it's been so much fun. And just working with the, the three uh, brilliant property thinkers over here, Pete, Chris, and Amy, it's been a real pleasure for me. Uh, we now are getting around about 25,000 unique listeners. Um, and at, it's just consistently growing, Pete. So that's great. Um, you and I went on the road a lot this year. Chris came, Amy came to Sydney. Uh, we had over a thousand people come to the events this year, which is just unbelievable. Um, maybe, and I, I don't know, how is your, because you're a property coach, you work with people in group settings, one-on-one, you've obviously got the buyer's agency based out of uh, Brizzy, but how have you found, I guess, speaking with people that come through the podcast, Pete? Yeah, good. So the first half of the year was somewhat slow anyway, because uh, if you remember, we were at the the early stages of the interest rate hiking cycle. There's a lot of uncertainty about how far interest rates might go and how high they might go. Then we kicked off the podcast, I guess, at the end of Q1, thereabouts, I think, as you said. Mm. And um, yeah, we've been out on the road. We went out to Wang, which was fantastic. Wang Garada. Yep. Uh, Port Macquarie, where else did we go? Newcastle, Sydney. Yeah, I've been all around the place. And mm. I think that's been, that's been fantastic too. Um, you can't really beat a bit of face-to-face interaction mm. uh, once a year. That's really good. Um, yeah, and yeah, we just get so many people uh, contacting and saying, oh, I've been listening a lot to the uh, the episodes on the podcast and it's, uh, it's a really good means of connection. So yeah, we've, we've got steadily busier as the year's gone on. I think for a couple of reasons. One, because... Uh, more listeners on the podcast and also i think people are starting to uh, get more confidence about mm. where interest rates are going to finish up and i guess the fundamentals of the property market um and mm. yeah as you said um picking up quite a few coaching clients as well uh, i think mainly thanks to to you and your podcast so it's been been a really good year and um yeah i think at the start of the year there was lots of uncertainty and all, all the sort of doom and gloom about you know, the US will be in recession, Australia will follow, and a lot of that stuff just hasn't really played out as expected. Um, mm. you know, we often say Australia is a lucky country, but it does seem to be sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's it's great to it's great to be able to jump on every week to listen to you and Chris on a Sunday morning uh, and just get some common sense, uh, I guess, long-term thinking because a lot of what we hear in the news about property is just always like myopic, the most sensational headlines we can find. And uh, it's been a really bizarre and intriguing year, which we'll cover in just a moment. Um, but this year, just to recap what else happened behind the scenes, um, Amy launched her new course. Um, and by the way, there's a free resource from Amy, which has been downloaded, I think, a few hundred times, which is her 100-point checklist when you're buying a property. So that's available in every uh, every episode that we produce. So every episode that we produce, there's links to Pete's Coaching, buyer's agency, um, there's Amy's checklist, there's the other rest stuff like free courses. There's also the mortgage bro- broking joint venture between Blusk, which is Chris's business and Rask. Um, we've had 180 or thereabouts at the time of recording, 180 folks go through 
uh, and start that process, uh, which is just awesome. Um, and so we've had a big year, not just in the industry, but also for the podcast. The three most popular episodes of the podcast this year were Amy's 25K renovation episode. So it's where she talked about how she did some renos. Obviously, bit of a bit of a title there, 25K renovation. Uh, if uh, you can pull one of those off, good for you. Um, but she did talk about how you can you know, do some pretty basic things to improve the face value of your property. Um, there was an episode on tax and property that I believe Chris conducted or maybe it was you um, in there too, Pete. And then there was building and renovating for profit with Rebecca uh, from Build Her. So um, really good episodes. They're all available in your podcast feed if you're interested in those. Now, Pete, recently, um, like you said, as we were coming off the back of 2022, it was pretty scary for a lot of people. Interest rates had just started rising in mid-2022. We got up to around about 3% here in Australia at the end of 2022. And at that time, there were calls like for property prices to fall 20, 30%. Um, and this is what people were getting fed by the news each and every day. I, I guess now that we have some data, are you surprised about that? Um, that we've, you know, where we've ended up? I didn't think we'd get a 20 or 30% downturn, but actually the market has been definitely stronger. I think than almost anyone would have predicted given the trajectory of interest rates. I, I think, and when you look at the reasons for why, I mean, it sounds a bit trite, but it, it always comes down to uh, supply and demand in the old mm. cliche. And I think, um, well, building slowed, uh, construction slowed right down. We've got a lot of construction insolvencies. Most people decided not to sell. I think a lot of people uh, through the COVID pandemic period had built up huge uh, savings buffers. Um, mm. So most people just decided to hang on. But then population growth absolutely soared back and the rental vacancies fell to the lowest level on record. So renting wasn't a great place to be either. And then things just bottomed out. And then once the market started rebounding, then confidence just built from there. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I didn't think we'd ever get a sort of doomsday scenario. I think some of those were a bit uh, far-fetched, but um, certainly I don't think anyone would have expected uh, 2023 to be quite as positive a year as it was, given what happened to interest rates. Yeah, it's, it's so simple that you would think that, um, well, the borrowing costs for people go so far up that then prices should come down due to the nature of leverage in our property market. Um, I won't stick the boot in too much, but there was a, I've pulled this quote from Chris Joy, who's a uh, pretty widely read person in the AFR. And the quote is, new research shows that house prices could fall more than 30% if the Reserve Bank of Australia meets the market's interest rate expectations. That was from June, 2022. And we did see a little bit of a blip, but it was, I want to say it's a blip at the time it would have felt pretty scary um but we didn't quite see that and if we go over the full year we've had things like you know the ukraine war continuing um we've had more recently the the, the kind of conflict breakout between israel and gaza uh, hamas i should say uh we've had uh, those interest rates continue to go higher we've had that rental uh squeeze we've had borrowing costs obviously just skyrocket We've had the quote-unquote mortgage prisoners. We've had um, the US shooting down a Chinese spy balloon. We've had uncertainty with the US elections. Like Victoria, just the budget in the state of Victoria just blowing out. Like all of these things that are just such scary headlines for so many people. 
uh, to deal with. But through it all, property prices have actually risen across the country in 2023. That's using data from CoreLogic to the end of November. Like that, I feel like that's just, I, I, I don't think anyone could have predicted that uh, at the beginning of the year. Not, no, not given what's happened to inflation and interest rates. So I think the, the inflation story was an interesting one. I mean, we've been through an extraordinary few years. We've never really, um, you can't sort of uh, back test this and say, oh, well, this is what happens when you shut the international borders, uh, lock everyone down for months on end in Victoria, to months and months on end. And it's nothing really, there's no precedent for us to sort of test against, but obviously it was mm-hmm. going to create some, uh, supply chain issues and I, I think there was a combination of um, a lot of people had cash buffers so I think with fiscal policy I mean we've generally seen over the years like in the global financial crisis if you give people money they'll generally spend it so the spending side um, held up but then globally we just had these enormous supply chain issues we had epic shortages of materials if you went back 18 months ago uh, there was enormous skill shortages, uh, particularly in hospitality and retail. There just wasn't enough uh, people around to do that type of work. There was no um, students. Um, in, uh, the working holiday makers and backpackers weren't mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah, just uh, all kinds of issues. And inflation spikes, not just in Australia. We saw 11% in the UK, 9% in the US. It, basically everywhere uh, was grappling with the same issues. But then uh, things started to turn around once the world opened up again and supply chains started writing themselves. And as we speak, I mean, Australia is a bit further behind on this journey, but the Eurozone has got inflation back to what, 2.4. The UK is under four. US and Canada are back to three. So I think um, there was a bit of, uh, well, there's a lot of fear there for a, a mm. time because you, you always wonder, you know, if inflation, if that genie gets out of the bottle, can you get it back in? Um, but confidence has, has resumed. So yeah, it's been a, an extraordinary uh, three years in so many different ways and uh, hopefully not to be repeated anytime mm. soon. But yeah, I mean, I was chatting to um, Michael Yardney the other day and we were just reminiscing that actually at one stage people were talking about the US unemployment rate hitting 25% mm. during the worst of the lockdowns. And here we are today at under four. So yeah, I mean, it, there's been some challenges, no doubt, with the cost of living and uh, various other uh, challenges for business and so on. But all things considered, um, you'd be very happy with where things have ended up compared to how they might have been. Oh, absolutely. I remember seeing photos where the the, the cameraman and, and all of that would use those really uh, long lenses to try and look at the, the, the lines for people lining up at the unemployment offices in the US and make it look like there's hundreds of people standing in a row when they're just all social distancing and physical distancing uh, and it wasn't as bad as it seems. But I remember that and you would see that on the news and even here in Australia, we had job seeker, job keeper, you know, all of these things that were trying to stimulate this once in a hundred year pandemic um, and people were locked at home. And I think what we saw and what we've seen so far, if we kind of bring it up towards today's timeline, is that we saw over the COVID period a huge, huge um, buffer built up by those households, as you say. And now we've seen the complete opposite of all of those savings be depleted to a point where those savings are now household savings figures for Australia are around GFC levels in terms of how low they are. Uh, and so folks are now... I would, this is maybe not a forecast, but I would suspect that we will start to see a bite from this in the next three to six months. And that really hit 
different parts of the economy in different ways. Um, at least that's my kind of gut feel, Pete. I think you're right. There's always a stock versus flow thing here. So the stock of savings might still be pretty high. But if you look at the saving ratio each quarter, well, it's now pretty much down to zero. And it mm. was at 25%. So um, yes, people aren't saving anymore. But yeah, a lot of this stuff is driven at the margin, you know, by um, certain households uh, running down their cash, mortgage stress, that kind of thing. So it will start to show up, particularly in uh, the retail turnover figures. And then if um, interest rates do end up staying higher for longer, eventually you'll start to see it in things like mortgage arrears as well. And so far, mortgage arrears have been pretty low, uh, but it's uh, it's been the retail sector that's starting to feel the pinch. So, yeah, it's been a, a, a wild um, a period. and uh, But, yes, higher in uh, mortgage rates. We've had um, cost of living increase for things like energy and rents and um, mm. households have uh, seen yeah, various points, higher fuel prices and things like that. Yeah, it's just um, it's reduced, even though incomes have gone up in nominal terms, uh, the cost of living has gone up um, a lot more. And yes, the household saving ratio, I think we'll find for the December quarter, it'll be near enough nil that people aren't saving anymore on a net basis. And yes, that will start to slow down the economy in 2024. But that, that's exactly what the rate hikes were designed to do to bring inflation back to target. Yeah, well, it is. And uh, it's interesting how um, there's been a few studies throughout the year about how higher interest rates may actually be, um, in some instances, may actually increase inflation because people with assets and capital, they're earning more on their term deposits and the savings accounts, while the people in the mortgage belt, they're the ones like yeah, typically younger, middle-aged people are feeling the pinch the most. I think Alan Collar came out during the year with kind of a bit of a viral uh show that he did on uh, ABC and showed that by based on, I think it was ComBank data, at different age groups, there was actually increased spending. Um, and that was quite interesting. How about with your coaching clients, Pete? Are you seeing anything there? Are they generally optimistic? Are they like consolidating? Are they buying more? Because I was chatting to some folks on the weekend and they have investment properties and I was thinking, maybe it's, you know, that whole past performance is not an indicator of future performance. They're kind of like the trough of thinking this is pretty bad. It's been pretty hard this year. And they're all thinking of offloading their properties because of things like increased property taxes in Victoria, these types of things, and just trying to find another option. Maybe it's the share market or something like that. How about with your clients? Is there kind of any trends or shifts or sentiment that you're feeling from them? Yes. So yes, as Mr. Kohler said, um, I think for mortgage-free people, uh, retirees in particular, um, yeah, higher uh, interest rates if you're getting more returns from fixed interest. Um, so things like term deposits or bonds. Well, that's not a bad thing if you're in retirement. Mm. Yes, the, the cost of living's gone up as well for things like airfares and you know, travel, maybe cruises, insurances. Mm. But yeah, it's not a bad thing necessarily for the retirees. But yes, it's a bit self-selecting because most of my clients are either um, aspirational uh, professionals or pre-retirees, and most right. of them have some debt. Um, so it's um, definitely been a period of uh, consolidation. Uh, some people have decided to offload uh, their worst performing or least preferred properties in their portfolio. Um, and I think we're seeing that actually in some of the numbers. Actually, there's more investors leaving the market in 2023 for property than entering. And that's one of the things that's contributed to the rental crisis. Um, but yes, mm. as you said, the higher interest rates there it can actually stoke inflation in some parts of the economy. Rents is one place where it's showing up. 
also there's a lot of stuff which is really driven by international trends like oil prices and things like that which are, australia our um interest rates aren't really going to have an impact there so uh mm. yeah i think it's been yeah it's been a year where definitely of caution um but overall mm. i think as the year's gone on people have fared a whole lot better than might have been expected in january so yeah there's a lot more confidence i think going into next year i think from the um from the data that we're seeing um, and what I'm hearing from Chris's team at Blusk is that um, there's a lot of people lining up and looking at things like refinancing, um, seeing what equity they have in their home, seeing if they can improve their incomes to increase borrowing capacity. And they're kind of like in this almost like a holding pattern while they wait for that moment when interest rates do start to fall, their increased borrowing capacity comes back and they'll look to expand either their portfolio upgrade etc like that's and that's got i got to admit that's something on my mind in the next year or two is how do we unlock some of the equity that we've got in our house for the last few years how do we unlock that to then invest in another property upgrade etc etc um and you were saying before we hit record that through the buyers agency business that a lot of that um a lot of that demand isn't being met with supply at the moment no, I think um, certainly for quality stock, I think there is there are there are listings on the market, but um, I think one of the reasons that buyers agents have been busy this year is that it's actually really difficult to get your hands on uh, quality assets and quality stock, and people are struggling to find that that type of thing, that property that the upgraders or sometimes investors just can't find the properties they want, so they're outsourcing to a buyer's agent, and of course the buyer's agents are also finding. Uh, similar challenges so i think that's one of the things that's mm-hmm. driven it also there's been a bit of a, a rush towards the end of the year i think for people wanting to get something bought because uh, in australia you do find uh, through the second half of december then through all the way all the way through january nothing really happens and there's not much stock hitting the market then either so i think there's there's been a bit of a rush uh, towards the end of the year actually the final quarter of 2023 will will comfortably be the busiest we've ever had um mm. so i wouldn't have believed you if you told me that uh, 15 months ago or so but uh, that is how it's played out um mm. so yeah there is stock on the market but it's not always uh, the best it's often investors offloading um i think sometimes cash flow focused investors have looked at uh, the, the way things stack up now they're less keen than they were a year ago and they're just offloading mm. and um sometimes it's that you know, that sort of un- underperforming property that's being offloaded, like a high-rise apartment or uh, maybe something a bit less desirable, uh, sort of B and C grade stuff. So, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a mixed market, but uh, overall, the quality stock on the market is pretty tight. Yeah. Um, I'll just quickly run through some of the data. This is to the end of November. So, we obviously we're recording this in December, so we don't have the December data yet from CoreLogic, but... Sydney, uh, year over year, 10% up. Melbourne, 3 Brisbane and Gold Coast, 10 Adelaide, 7.5 or 7.6. Perth, 13.5. So that capital city aggregate is uh, 8.6 overall. Um, we've got Darwin slightly lower, Canberra flat, and Hobart down 3%. Um, obviously, you know, these indices and, and the way we measure it is, um, I guess, nuanced. So just keep that in mind. But I guess it just gives the people a spread of we're seeing those capital cities still perform really strongly. Overall, yes, especially for, yes, Perth, I think, is, well, it's been mm. uh, 
a long time between drinks for, for WA, but its um, population growth is now running at over 3% year on year. So that's wow. full on boom time population growth. Uh, that's um, really an echo of the resources construction boom years uh, prior to 2011. So, yes, yeah, a long, long period where not much happened, but now it's really booming. Uh, and that's really right across Perth. Um, Adelaide, yeah, uh, I think the beachside or beachside adjacent suburbs have had a really good year. Uh, Brisbane in the mortgage belts, particularly some of those north side suburbs that we like, have been you know strong performers again. Uh, no real slowdown there. And yeah, there's other parts of the country, Newcastle, Central Coast. There's been some a uh, lot of activity there too. So yeah, I mean, mm. um, I, I guess there would have been some of the tree change locations where things have come off a bit and softened, uh, but not not nearly as much as you might have expected. So uh, yeah, a mm. bit of a mixed bag. But uh, as you said, Darwin kind of marches to its own drum a little bit and Canberra's a bit flatter. But, uh, yeah, that's mm. the, in context, you know, coming off the the back of some really strong years in the ACT. I remember we when we were in Port Macquarie, a lot of people were pretty optimistic and seeing, obviously that's a, an interesting market in itself because you get a lot of uh, slightly older people that are looking for that coastal change um, and still have all the amenities nearby up there in New South Wales. That that was a market where it seemed, at least at the time, quite resilient and people's sentiment was upbeat. I remember being in Townsville. It was kind of mixed, you know, um, obviously a bit further up and, um, you know, kind of somewhat isolated in the city, but um, still people were quite optimistic. Um, in terms of uh, regional, Pete, um, I don't have the data in front of me, but in terms of regional areas, obviously 2021 um, leading into 2022, regional you know, suburbs, I'm thinking, things that are outside the, the two or three major uh, cities in your state were quite, you know, they were exceptional performers in, in some respects. What I, I can't remember the latest data for, for 2023, but regional areas, have, have you got any working knowledge? They have come off. I think if you looked at places like Gold Coast uh, or even closer to home, uh, Sunshine Coast, it was full-on boom time for... Mm. Uh, for places like Noosa, in fact, all up and down the Sunshine Coast. Now, yeah, things have come off. Um, the, 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 the sort of um, the frenzy has gone out of the market. So I don't know what the official stats would show, but I imagine from the the sort of the peak of the frenzy, things would be down 10% plus. But um, yeah, it's not like there's, there's sort of raging bargains. And in fact, it um, seems sentiment maybe picking up again. But um, yeah, I think actually that was true probably of a lot of the regional markets where... Um, I think you find in some of the smaller markets, um, you know, they're a bit less liquid, uh, thinner markets. So it, it takes a smaller number of people to move the needle. Mm. And um, a lot of people obviously left the uh, the high density projects in Sydney and Melbourne because, well, why wouldn't you? You couldn't you couldn't mm. use the amenities, you couldn't use the lifts, you couldn't, you know, it wasn't a great place to be uh, for a couple of years. And um, a lot of people took that opportunity to make a sea change or a tree change. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a real uh, sort of day in the sun for a lot of regional markets. Um, so yeah, mm. some of that would have reversed a little bit over the past year, but um, yeah, we're not seeing sort of a you know, major crash in prices in particular. So um, yeah, and mm. you, you might have expected more fallout, really. You know, given yeah. we haven't had a hiking cycle like we've just seen um, in recent history. I, well, I remember when we were in Wangaratta. Um, you know, rental vacancy in Wangaratta, this is in regional Victoria for folks who aren't aware, very, very, very slim pickings uh, in terms of what was on offer, even for 
purchasing um like during COVID, it was so tight unbelievably tight but mm. uh even when we were visited there this year in 2023 it was somewhat like that um, people still really struggling to find properties uh, in and around those regional hubs that have the hospitals and the you know the regional train networks though it was just so hard to find those and um i think there's there has been a genuine shift in people's willingness to tolerate a commute or maybe work remotely and take a lower salary. Um, I think the kind of COVID did usher in that in, from what I've seen so far, obviously some of the companies this year are bringing people back to the offices, particularly I'm thinking of like the big banks and these types of businesses have really kind of, kind of pushed back on some of the previous, you know, COVID flexible working arrangements. Um, I, I guess it would be remiss of us if we do this episode at the end of the year, right, Pete, to not look forward a bit. Um, without maybe getting into the specifics in too much detail, obviously we don't want people to be like, Pete, no one said that there was going to be a 10% rise in uh, the Newcastle property market, so I've gone and bought a property. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, sp you spend a lot of time in the data at the macro level, but also at the micro level dealing with individuals, with coaching and buyers agency and so forth. We recently wrote a piece for our membership website Um what are you looking at as we stare into 2024? What are the things that people that listen to the Australian Property Podcast should be paying attention to? I think I'll just um, add to your point there. It was an absolute pleasure to get out to Wangaratta and Port Macquarie, lovely places to live. And I think it's a good thing that um, you know, we're starting to celebrate some of those regional markets a bit more. I loved our time. We actually stayed in Port Macquarie for a full week and the kids mm. just had a great time, beach every day. Um, there's you know plenty going on in those That's uh, amazing. yeah those sorts of markets you know I like warmer weather but for people who are uh, go for the more uh, sort of temperate climate it's just a super place to live so uh, lots of Sydney siders there uh, obviously a lot of people have retired or semi-retired up that way so um, mm. yeah long may that continue uh, yeah so things to watch in 2024 so I'll give you three things firstly uh, the lending market w will interest rates fall and if so when um it does look that way. I think if you look at global markets, expecting six cuts in the US, six cuts for the UK, I don't think Australia will get anything like that unless the shit really hits the fan, in which case, yeah, all bets are off. But I think we'll probably see some easing in interest rates in the second half of next year. The other thing to watch um, is whether APRA just releases that lending assessment buffer. Now, that's really dampened borrowing capacity. But um, it kind of made sense when interest rates were zero to protect people from rising rates. But if, if you look at what bond markets are pricing, which is lower interest rates, it doesn't make sense to uh, be penalizing investors, first-time buyers uh, with a, a three percentage points assessment buffer. So I guess I'll just keep an eye on, uh, on that. So wh what happens to, to lending? And it should get a bit easier as the year goes on next year. Mm. Uh, on the second point, on the demand side... Um, Will we start to get new investors coming into the market? We know some investors are leaving. Um, and uh, I think, yes, because rents are, are still rising. And um, I think actually, the, I think the thing to watch in 2024, there'll be a, a bit of a battle between investors and first-time buyers. First-time buyers, it sucks to be a renter at the moment. So anyone who can afford to buy, whether that's through the bank of mum and dad or other means, first-time owners grants, I think all first-time buyers who can will be looking to do so next year uh, so there'll be a bit of a battle between investors coming back and mm. first home buyers that's the second thing to watch thirdly i think on the supply side um 
Um, and bearing in mind, we've got record population growth happening. Um, I think we'll finally start to see a rebound in things like building approvals. Um, we're just starting to see some of those build-to-rent projects coming out of the ground, particularly in Melbourne. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we might just start to see things turn around. It's been a horror year for construction companies Absolutely. and developers. You know, loads of loads of insolvencies, decade highs. Uh, materials costs have, have jumped. Um, the cost of delivering medium-density projects is up 50% since pre-COVID levels so it's a a horrible time uh, for developers but i think so we're probably through the worst and we might just start to see as the year goes on um an increase in construction again an increase uh, for building and in in the housing market and and approvals getting up again because the demand is there you know we've got population growth running at extremely high levels um so yeah and will more people start to sell as well maybe yes we'll probably get a bit more confidence uh, so maybe just a bit of an easing up of supply, but yeah, we've got a lot, a lot of work to be done there because population growth is obviously uh, running at red hot levels, and that, that's becoming a bit of a political issue, not not just in Australia, but also for Canada, UK, US, New Zealand. A lot of people are a bit twitchy about just the sheer rate of population growth in a, a lot of these developed economies. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely one of those things that um, you can see the kind of the the, the capacity. And the friction points that it's causing in the property market probably most pronounced. Um, and I'll just maybe add one more thing to this, which is something that I watch closely, which is just the household savings rate, which uh, anyone can look at on the ABS website or it comes out monthly. And you can just look at uh, basically how uh, households are tracking in terms of what they actually spend and what they're saving. And that has plummeted since COVID. And it's kind of like this idea of like almost like a, you don't, I don't study this to the scientific, you know, to the decimal place. But what I do look at is basically the trend that we're seeing. And it basically is a reflection, in my opinion, of interest rate movements for the mortgage belt. And uh, it doesn't look pretty, the trajectory it's currently on. And so eventually my my sense is that things have to, have to ease uh, for those folks. Uh, and I'm one of those folks as well. And I think that, that point that I, 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 you mentioned about APRA. I think, Pete, that's, I think that's pretty important for a lot of people who uh, go into that holding pattern that I mentioned earlier on where they've maybe they've reached out to a mortgage broker. Um, they've, they've, they've kind of got to the point where they've said, the mortgage broker said, well, we can get you $700,000 or $600,000 based on X, Y, and Z, but your target is 900000 So you're going to have to wait here or lower your expectations. A lot of them are just waiting. Um, until maybe some of that assessment buffer comes down or rates come down and then there's some sort of bank offering that can match that. So that would be for anyone listening that is in that position where you're looking to invest, you're looking to upgrade, you're looking to buy your first home, just stay in that part of the market and be ready, keep looking and speak to your mortgage broker about these developments because they will be really important for you. But also take a look at some of those changes that are coming through in terms of incentives and grants and schemes. There's so many on offer at the moment depending on your profession, depending on your savings, uh, depending on your income potential, uh, have a look around and speak to your mortgage broker. Keep in contact with them. Um, All right. So my final question then, Pete, is just as we wrap up uh, a big year on the Australian Property Podcast, thank you to everyone who has tuned in this year, who has shared the podcast with friends. I would say that we're now Australia's second biggest property show. Um, So really, really happy with how things have gone so far. But I think the, the, the show and our community can 
two or three X from here over the next couple of years. And we'll be on the road again this year. So come out and say hello. If you do get the chance, the events are cheap, like 30 bucks a ticket uh, and you get to chat with all of us. So we'd love to meet you in person. But my final uh, one for you, Pete, is, you know, so much uncertainty in 2022, just headlines coming out, everyone thick and fast in 2023. Is property still a valid long-term wealth creating vehicle in your opinion well yes long term being the key word there i actually actually think 2024 will be a positive year for property for the aforementioned reasons i think um 2023 has been hard uh with with interest rates going up um and um i think in 2024 the economy might slow down but actually demand for housing is um is running a record high so um I think uh, we're not really building enough, and I, that's not going to change for the next three years, probably. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think um, the fundamentals are strong. Uh, but, yes, as you rightly pointed out, let's uh, try not to be too myopic because there's always uh, going to be predictions about what's going to happen next month or next year. But generally, property works best as a long term uh, wealth creation vehicle. Mm-hmm. I think if you looked back, um, I mean, the data only goes back so far, but if you went back to to 1970 you'd be paying about 19 grand for a house in sydney and about <laughs> 13 in melbourne you know so the long-term results what eight and a half percent compounding capital growth have been very very good but um yeah there'll be ups and downs along the way but uh, you'll generally find if you take a longer term view it just gets a bit easier to pull the trigger and make a decision yeah i think that's so well said and for me it is like two s's for me i, I think about a lot supply and um serviceability if you can service your loan, if you have the cash flow in your own budget and you're sensible with that and you find a property that is in limited supply or maybe as you or Chris would say scarcity, if you find that combination, a lot of the noise can be tuned out because you know you're going to be able to meet your commitments for that property and you know you've got a good asset that's yours. And I think with those two things in mind, for me personally, not that I'm the expert in this conversation, but um, I would, I, I'm just as optimistic about 2024 as I probably have been uh, in the past. So um, be ready, folks. Be ready for a big year in terms of, you know, falling uh, uh, cash rates and interest rates. Are, you know, I think that just be ready and fortune favors those who are prepared and go into that without things like a lot of credit card debt, without things like, um, you know, really poor savings habits. You want to have those sorted now, sort them out over Christmas and New Year's. Get it. Get on top of that now and be prepared because the opportunities will arise. Uh, Pete, it's been a hell of a year. I love the Santa hat, mate. I do appreciate you cracking that out. You're the only other person that on any of the RASP podcasts has ever thought it'd be a good idea to get a Santa hat out. So I really do appreciate that and uh, all of your contributions throughout the year. So I wish you all the best with the coaching and the, uh, the buyer's agency uh, in 2024, mate. It's been a great year. Thanks. I've enjoyed every second. Cheers, Owen. I look forward to next year as well. Thanks for tuning into the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete, or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. 
That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax, or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.